listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. After centuries of handling and mishandling, most religious words have become so shot-worn that nobody's much interested anymore. Frederick Beekner. Well, as I said yesterday when I began my series, my hope for these three sermons is to look at some of those shop-worn God words each day so that we might see them afresh, that the wonder of them might capture us anew, and that we might be better equipped to share the wonder of those words and all that they hold with those who do not know the love of Christ. Our word for today, grace. A reading from St. Paul's epistle to the Romans. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, The gospel concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and designated son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all nations, including yourselves, who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all God's beloved in Rome who are called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The word of the Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace. It's a word that we Christians use a lot. We read it, we hear it, we say it, we sing it. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Sometimes it's a name given to a baby girl. We sense the goodness that that word carries. But I'm not sure that many of us would feel comfortable giving a succinct definition. This was borne home to me recently during a class I was teaching at the chapel when one brave soul stopped me and said, Heidi, what exactly is grace? There was an instant murmur of assent from the rest of the group. They wanted to know, too. And as I thought about it, I realized that we probably all need to rediscover the meaning of grace. Well, our English word, grace, comes to us through the Latin gratus, from the Greek charis. Now, charis has a wide range of meaning in Greek, including gift, thanksgiving, generosity, and even beauty. The New Testament uses grace first and foremost in the sense of gift, and particularly to describe God's gift to us 
of unmerited forgiveness and salvation in Jesus. Now, if you remember nothing else about this sermon, remember that. Grace is God's gift of unmerited forgiveness and salvation in Jesus. And now we can all go home. But I'm not done. So we're not going to start there. We're going to go further because grace is a deep God word that runs throughout the Bible. So I want to take a few minutes to consider the two Hebrew words that underlie the New Testament Greek of Charis. The first is chesed. Chesed connotes God's steadfast love and mercy and unbreakable compassion for his people. It is a covenant word that promises that no matter what, God loves and cares for his people. The second word is chen, which describes a superior, in this case God, showing undeserved favor and mercy to an inferior, in this case humanity. But this word chen has several children words that we also need to consider. Now, as I mentioned yesterday, Hebrew works on two or three letter root words that connect a whole host of related ideas. Hen is one of those root words. And so its related or children words give us further insight into how Jesus and the apostles understood the word grace. The first sounds exactly the same, but it's spelled differently. Hen means to pitch a tent or an encampment. Are you paying attention? Why in heaven's name, what does pitching a tent or building an encampment have to do with grace? It's a fair question, and it's kind of weird, but also wonderful. Well, see, in the ancient Near Eastern world, when a semi-nomadic tribe would set up camp and put their tents up, they would do it in a circle with the walls of one tent touching the next so that it provided a wall of security with an open area in the center where the children could play and the animals were safe and where everyone could gather to share food and stories and companionship. What does that encampment have to do with grace? Well, I think it's a physical symbol of God's encircling arms, protecting his people, giving them a place where they could gather in safety to share food and companionship, and most importantly, to share the stories of God's saving acts through history. Well, the second related word also sounds exactly the same. Hen has a second silent N. And it means to have mercy on, to heal, to help, to protect, to provide refuge, and to strengthen 
There's a theme here. So what is grace? It's all that. It's charis and hesed and hen. It's as big as God who holds the universe in the palm of his hand and as small and intimate as the human heart. It is God's steadfast love, unmerited favor, forgiveness, mercy, and circling protection, healing care, hope, beauty, and goodness. Grace is everything good in all of creation, and it is the bridge, Jesus, into the promises of the presence of the Father. And the common denominator of all the facets of grace is that it is God's gift to us, not something we earn or achieve. As Frederick Buechner also wrote, a crucial eccentricity of the Christian faith is the assertion that people are saved by grace. There's nothing you have to do. There's nothing you have to do. There's nothing you have to do. There is nothing we have to do. Indeed, there is nothing that we could do. Weak and sin-sick, surrounded by the enemy prowling around our pitiful tents like a roaring and raveling lion, we could not escape. We could only wait for death. So God, in his grace, mounted the great rescue mission. God, the Son, became man and slipped into our world under cover of darkness as a baby. And at the appointed time when he was grown, he walked into the jaws of sin and evil and destroyed the destroyer. There on the cross, he opened his arms to encircle us in his love and his power, pouring out his blood on us as a healing balm and a transfusion to strengthen us for eternal life in the security of heaven, surrounded by the unbreakable mercy and love of God. That is grace, pure, unearned, unmerited gift from the heart of God. Beekner concluded that essay with this. There's only one catch. Like any other gift, the gift of grace can be yours only if you'll reach out and take it. But then being able to reach out and take it is a gift, too. So when Paul wrote, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, it was a sort of prayer. 
that his readers would be given the full spectrum of grace. The grace to reach out and accept the gift of Jesus Christ, his son. The grace to receive the gift of God's unmerited favor, forgiveness, and salvation through Jesus. And the grace to say yes to Jesus, who is the ultimate grace and gift of life and hope. And so here in this season of Lent, as we prepare to celebrate the ultimate gift of God's grace, Jesus' self-giving sacrifice on the cross, my prayer for all of you, for all of us, is that God will give us all the grace to open our hearts and our hands to receive Jesus as our brother, our friend, our sacrifice, and our Savior. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.